Welcome to the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. This is your host, Eve Vanderbilt, with my co-host, Woody. How you doing, Woody? Woof. Well, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know Woody is my trusted canine. He's a dog. Dogs can't talk, but they can go woof. And in that one woof, Woody is asking you, whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on, to like, follow, share, subscribe, and rate us. If you're listening to this on iTunes, please be sure to uh, subscribe to this channel as well as give us five-star rating. It helps us move up in the algorithm. The show is doing great, and we want to continue to keep moving ourselves up, and I need your help. We need your help. Woody says, woof. He just said he needed your help. And you can find all of our social media platforms at our website, thepblpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to that and you'll get the newsletter, which is my show notes, and basically all the articles that I refer to will be in that. And you'll get access to all of our past shows as well. All right, it is 9-11. And 9-11 is, you know, it's a somber day. It is you know, we need to, it's in remembrance of what happened to our nation on September 11th, 2001, when terrorists uh, attacked us and killed 2,977 of our fellow citizens. And it's one of those days when it comes up, everyone just, you know, um, at least people with de the decent people, the conscious, just kind of hold their head in remembrance of what happened on that fateful day to those Americans who lost their lives to just pure evil. Now for me, 9-11, I remember the day, as I'm sure you do, as everybody who's alive uh, and old enough remembers what was going on that day. I remember I was on vacation because my daughter was just born, and I remember listening to the radio in my office hearing the first tower attacked, and then not believing it. And when the second tower attacked, I went, got my daughter, went down, turned on the news, and I just could not believe what was happening. And I just remember looking at uh, my daughter, just thinking, oh my gosh, what does this mean for her? Because at that point, who knew the extent of it? Who knew what was going to be next? And, you know, it, it, it changed the world forever. And I think a lot of us, not a lot of us, not who are listening to this, a lot of people forget, never forget, never forget what happened that day. And so in this day, this solemn day of remembrance, I want to go over why we need to keep Joe Biden out of the White House. But before that, here's my 9-11. This is a different connotation for me now because today is also my wedding anniversary. And probably most people, when I say that, they go, oh, I'm so sorry that it happened on your wedding anniversary. It did not happen on my wedding anniversary, by the way. Um, my wife and I got married in 2010. We didn't get married um, prior to the terrorist attack in 2001 on 9-11. So you're thinking, whoa, wait, whoa, who would make a decision to get married on 9-11? Well, here's the story, the backstory. And I'm telling this because I wanted, I wanted to take a little bit of that negative connotation away from 9-11 and make this kind of um, more of a, a happy occasion. If you can do that, right? So this is the reason why my wife and I decided to get married on 9-11. My birthday is 9-10. Yesterday was my birthday. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for your happy birthdays. If you want to wish me a happy birthday, via email at pblpodcast at gmail.com. So 9-10 is my birthday. 9-10 is my wife and I's wedding anniversary. And 9-12 is my wife's birthday. So it just made sense. Also, the year that we decided to get married, it was on a Saturday. So that made sense. But here is more to the story. Her, my, my wife's grandmother at the time was 95. May she rest in peace. She's since passed. And her birthday was, you guessed it, 
9-11. When I first met her and I found out her birthday was in September, I was like, oh, mine is too. What's yours? And her whole body just kind of just shrank. And you could just see the the despair come over her face. And she's like, oh, 9-11. Because the day has such a harsh connotation to it. So when we decided the year we were going to get married, we decided – we're going to do it on 9-11 because this is going to take away that negative commentation from Omar. Uh, and now she'll have a positive thought with 9-11 on her birthday. And when the day of our wedding, she could not be happier. So that's one of the reasons why we got married on 9-11. Uh, other is because it was between our birthdays and other was because on that year, it fell on a Saturday. It had nothing to do with what the terrorists did to us because we weren't going to allow that to happen. And we can't allow Joe Biden to become president. Yeah, I hate to tie it into that, but um, this you know, instead of this Remembrance Day, I really want to lay out why this man should never, never set foot in the White House again, except as a guest. Yesterday, Donald Trump gave a um, uh, a speech. And in that, here's the headline. And by the way, this is from Breitbart. President Donald Trump on Thursday said that former Vice President Joe Biden was the worst presidential candidate in the history of politics. And you know what? When I watched the race in 2016, I said to myself, Hillary Clinton is the absolute worst candidate I have ever seen. Worse than Dukakis, uh, worse than uh, even, um, oh gosh, who did Clinton run against? Bob Dole. And I, I, a lot of mucho respect for Bob Dole, but he was such a horrible candidate. I thought George H.W. Bush was also a horrible candidate. I remember that on a debate with Clinton, he looked at his watch and I said to myself, he just lost the election. And then Hillary comes along and I'm like, this has got to be the worst absolute worst presidential candidate I have ever seen. Now, Trump had a lot of baggage, right? So Trump was not a great candidate. He stumbled and fumbled all over the place, but he was consistent. But you looked at Hillary and you said, man, I don't want that. No way. And then along comes Joe Biden. Now, if Joe Biden ran against Trump in 2016, he would have won. This is the Democrats' key mistake here. If he had run in 2016, he would have won. And right now, he'd be running against a candidate with these cognitive abilities, and he would probably lose. But he should have ran in 2016. The Democrats made a crucial mistake and put the wrong candidate up because it was her time or whatever it was. But here's what Trump said about Biden. I have the distinct pleasure of running against the worst presidential candidate in the history of presidential politics. And he's right. Uh, Trump went on to say, can you imagine if I lost to him? Trump asked. I'd have to say that I lost to the worst candidate ever put up. Don't do that to me, Michigan. He was giving a rally in Michigan. These are bold words to say from Trump. So he's got a lot of confidence that he's going to win because if he does lose, he literally has to say that. But <laughs> imagine if he did lost. He goes, okay, you're right. I, I did say it. So I have to say this. I lost to the worst candidate ever put up. What the hell is wrong with you people? So, I mean, Biden is the absolute worst candidate, and he was the worst candidate prior to 2016. If he would have ran in 2016, he still would have been the worst candidate, but he would have won. But here's why he would have been the worst candidate. It's not because of his gaffes and his slip ups. It's Biden has been wrong so much. He's been wrong with so many policy issues, but here we are on 9-11. And the big one that he was wrong on, this is from PJ Media, uh, from Jim, Jim Treacher, uh, released yesterday. Here's the headline. Did Joe Biden, who has gotten most foreign policy issues wrong over the last 40 years, really predict 
That's right. The, Joe Biden is claiming he predicted 9-11. On September 10th, 2001, then-Senator Joe Biden gave a foreign policy speech at Washington, D.C.'s National Press Club, where he complained about the Bush administration's spending on missile defense systems, warning an anthrax or biological attack was more likely. And then 2000, and then 9-11 happened, and 2,977 Americans died. And Biden then began claiming he predicted the attack. Can you believe that? Uh, from the article, he did no such thing. During an hour-long speech, Biden mentioned terrorism only three times, twice in reference to biological terrorism. He never predicted a major attack like that. And, but here's what Biden said on the Senate floor in 2006. On September 10, the day before the attacks on the towers, I made a speech to the National Press Club where I warned about a massive attack on the United States of America from terrorists, why I thought it would happen, and why I thought our priorities were misplaced the day before 9-1-1. So this Cretan, yes, Cretan, no Mr. Nice Guy, is claiming that he predicted it was going to happen and he gave a speech about it on September 10. So he's one of those guys, by the way, though, that leads from the behind. And what, what I mean by that is like there's there's a movement going, there's something happening, and Biden, it's already in place. Biden runs up the front and then says, hey, follow me, trying to take mantle of the leader. This man is no leader. This is this is typical politics or, or atypical scumbag politics. This is This is what scumbag politicians do that's who biden is is that who you want in the white house a man who's going to claim he predicted 911 when he did no such thing oh but wait there's more uh, this is from factcheck.org not known as a you know uh, a right-leaning rag right this is from january 8 2020 by robert farley biden's position on osama bin laden raid questions by a fox news reporter former uh, former Vice President Joe Biden denied that he told then-President Barack Obama not to go after Osama bin Laden in what turned out to be a successful mission to kill the 9-11 mastermind. The Republican National Committee immediately called it an instant of Biden flat-out lying. So he was confronted by Steve Ducey, or Peter Ducey, I'm sorry, Steve Ducey, his father at Fox News, uh, by Peter Ducey. And by the way, when he first came out, you know, I'm thinking, all right, New reporter, he didn't look very sure himself. He's actually turned out to be a pretty good reporter. But this is on January 3rd. Ducey caught Biden and asked, as commander-in-chief, if you were ever handed a piece of intelligence that said you could stop an imminent attack on Americans, but you have to use an airstrike to take out a terror leader, would you pull the trigger? Well, we did, Biden said. The guy's name was Osama bin Laden. Ducey, didn't you tell President Obama not to go after bin Laden that day? Biden. Again, this is January 3rd, 2020. Biden, no, I didn't. That's not what Biden has said in the past. In the past, and I remember seeing this when it aired. Uh, this is him, Biden, uh, giving a similar account at the, Dem the House Democrats' annual retreat in Cambridge, Maryland. Biden told the Democrats that he advised the president April 2011 meeting not to immediately approve the raid on the uh compound that Osama bin Laden was at. Here was what Biden said, January 27, 2012. The president, he went around the table with all the senior people, including the chiefs of staff, and, and he said, I have to make a decision. What is your opinion? 
every single person in that room, this is Biden talking, every single person in that room hedged their bet except then director of central intelligence, Leon Panetta. Leon said, go. Everyone else said 49%, 51%. It got to me, he said, Joe, what do you think? And I said, you know, I didn't know we had so many economists around the table. I said, we owe the man a direct answer. Mr. President, my suggestion is don't go. We have to do two more things to see if he's there. He walked out and said, I'll give you my decision. The next morning, he came down the diplomatic entrance. He turned to the National Security Advisor, Tom Donilon, and said, go. Biden's own words contradict what he just said to Peter Ducey. Is that the man you want to put in the White House? Is that the man we should put in the White House? Absolutely not. In fact, never should he be in the White House, except maybe as a guest. But, I mean, and, and you know, there's more here. In, two, in, a two, in his 2014 memoir, A Worthy Fights, Leon Panetta, Obama's director of Central Intelligence Agency at the time of the National Security Council meeting in question, wrote on page 318 that at the meeting, Biden argued that we still did not have enough confidence that Bin Laden was in the compound. And he came out firmly in favor of waiting for more information. Uh, this isn't an anonymous source. This is Leon Panetta saying it. But there's more. In his 2014 memoir, The Duty, then Defense Secretary Robert Gates wrote that he and Biden were the two primary skeptics of the raid during national security team meetings that were held in March and April of 2011 to debate whether to strike the compound. Gates wrote that Biden's primary concern was the political consequences of failure. During that fateful meeting question on April 28, 2011, Gates said Biden was against the operation. And in her 2014 memoir, Hard Choices, then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton wrote only that Vice President Biden remained skeptical and had concerns about the risks of the raid. So there you have it. Biden tells Peter Ducey, don't I didn't say that. No, I didn't. That's what he said. But he did. And, and look, you've got Liam Panetta, Robert Gates, even Hillary Clinton on record in their books saying that's exactly what happened. And now Biden's saying, no, I didn't. So here's a guy who lied about warning President Bush about 9-11 that it's going to happen. And here's a guy that told President Obama, don't go in and get Osama bin Laden. Don't take him out because, you know, we don't have all, we need more. We need to do another pass around and make sure to do these two things because you don't want this to blow up in your face. Biden was more concerned of the politics of it than actually what was the right thing to do. Is that who you want in the White House? I say no. I, I firmly, flatly say no. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. Okay, so let's look at politicking now. Let's look at the campaign now. 
based on his policy flubs, his foreign policy just mistakes, he's been wrong on just about everything, based on his actions from 9-11, I mean, he's what kind of person does that? Is that the kind of person we want in the White House? No. But now let's talk about what is what does the campaign look like now? Where is what what's going on now? Look at what's happened since Biden has come out in the last couple of weeks from his basement and has been out on the campaign trail. So here's an article of Red State. And again, I'm putting all these in my show notes. So if you want access to this, you can either go to our website, pblpodcast.com, or in the show notes, you should have these as well. But from Red State, Joe Biden makes a campaign stop in Michigan, and it was just as bad as you imagined. It goes here. Yesterday, Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden pushed away from the bowl of cream of wheat, popped a couple of dull collects, and strapped on a fresh depends and boarded the No Malarkey Express for Michigan. It is pretty obvious that Biden is just as uncomfortable outside his basement as his campaign staff is having him leave it. It's been tough on Biden. He is not that leading edge of full-blown senile dementia where he's still or he's on that leading edge of full-blown senile dementia where he's still cognizant enough to A, remember what he used to be like, B, realize that he's effed up right now, and C, to know that it's not going to get better with time. In a couple other months, he won't have these worries. That's brutal. That is brutal. So uh, this is by Streif from Red State. That's the only name they give. It was released yesterday. But they also released a um, a Trump ad. And I'll, I'll play the first part of the ad. I'm not going to play the second part of the ad where it gets into Trump. Because, you know, this the, the, the ad is um, what happened to Biden. What happened to Joe Biden? And it gives you clips from five years ago, four years ago to today. So I bet you can figure out which audio is from four or five years ago and which one is from today. Take a listen to this. He went. He went. He became president. I didn't go, and I'm still vice president. And, uh, and in addition to that... Uh, in addition to that, we have to uh, make sure that we uh, we are in a position that we are. Think about it. Everybody has known from day one how smart, how bright Hillary is. Everybody knows how tough she is. You know the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, so be successful. I sincerely hope some of you become millionaires and billionaires. I mean that. But engage. Um, you know, there's a, uh, during World War II, uh, you know, Roosevelt came up with a thing uh, that, uh, you know, was totally different than a, than the, the it's called, he called it the, you know. And the rest of the ad goes into us. Uh, Trump. And if you want to see this again, I'll have this in my show notes. You can see the rest of the ad, but you can, I bet anyone who listens to that audio knew when it was five years ago versus today. I'm telling you, he would have won in 2016. He would have won. He would have gaffed, no doubt, but he would have won. Now you got the gaffes because of the cognitive abilities or lack thereof. And by the way, in this Michigan uh, rally he gave, uh, here's a tweet from Abigail Marone. As Joe Biden arrives in Michigan, he's greeted by a crowd of Trump supporters. There were more Trump supporters than there were Biden supporters. In fact, there was a Fox News correspondent asking, you know, 
what would you tell those two Biden supporters over there? And he, there's more excitement for this president than there is uh, for Biden. That is a problem for the Biden team. And you look at any rally Trump does, it's packed. You look at any rally that Biden does, and it's a joke. But this is what is also beautiful. He can't defend himself. This is from townhall.com. Biden gave a town call, and the, 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 the uh, title of the piece is, Joe Biden inadvertently gives blue-collar workers a solid reason to vote for Trump. This is posted by Matt Vespa over at Town Hall yesterday, 2010-2020. I'm sorry, September 10, 2020. And it starts off with, did this really happen? Did CNN allow this to air? And here's what they're talking about. Jake Tapper confronts Joe Biden for his failed trade policies. Uh, President Trump renegotiated NAFTA and you didn't. So in these series of exchanges here, you're going to hear Biden. Well, I'll let it speak for itself because this is amazing to me. Again, it, the foreign policy piece is enough that he should never, ever enter the White House as the president of the United States. His his cognitive decline is also enough, but he is the typical sleazy politician who will say and do anything to get elected. And Tapper starts calling him out on NAFTA. Listen to this. Something else he did is he renegotiated NAFTA. He did. He renegotiated NAFTA. Now, when you ran for president and when Barack Obama ran for president, you both said you would renegotiate NAFTA. You didn't. He did. Nancy Pelosi said that the USMCA, which President Trump signed into law, is a, quote, victory for America's workers. Does he deserve credit for that? No, I think, remember, he didn't, he wasn't the one that pushed that particular one that passed. The House amended the bill, amended the bill, so he couldn't. He well, signed by, it. By the way, it's a big deal, though. Here's what he, they amended. He was given pharma a way out, giving them a gigantic break, just like he's doing now with pharma. If you, they're building plants overseas and getting tax tax breaks for it, that's what it was about with him. And they okay. said, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to. He renegotiated NAFTA, and you didn't. Is the point? I mean, because we had a Republican Congress that wouldn't go along with us renegotiating. But doesn't he deserve some credit for that? It's better. The USMCA is better than NAFTA. It is better than NAFTA. But look what. The it is better than NAFTA. He has to admit it. He doesn't have a choice. Because it is better. And look, when Tapper asked him, isn't this better for the U.S. worker? Did you hear Biden say no? And then went on to excuse some, some nonsense about big pharma. Let's talk about the big pharma thing right now. Here's an article from Politico. Uh, this is back in what? July 27th, 2020 by Sarah Oromo. Here's the, here's the headline. Drug makers refuse to attend White House meeting after Trump issues executive order on cost. That hurt the big pharma. That hurt their profitability big time. So, and now Biden, by the way, this was yesterday, September 10th, 2020, is now trying to say that this deal helped big pharma. Is this, again, somebody that we want to put in the White House? We, we already know he won't take action to protect us. But now we got this, oh, but there's more. All right. Now he pushes back and, and, you know, he says it's better than NAFTA, the USMCA. But listen to this. There's even more. He renegotiated NAFTA and you didn't, is the point. I mean, because we had a Republican Congress that wouldn't go along with us renegotiating it. 
but doesn't he deserve some credit for that? It's better. The USMCA is better than NAFTA. It is better than NAFTA. But look what the overall trade policy has done even with NAFTA. We now have this gigantic deficit in trade with Mexico. Not because NAFTA wasn't made better, because the overall trade policy and how he deals with it made everything worse. I guess my only point is, I'm a blue-collar guy sitting in Macomb County, Michigan, if I were that person. Yeah. And I'm sitting here listening to your pitch. And I'm thinking, I like what he has to say, but he's part of the establishment that's been selling my jobs down the river. He supported NAFTA. He supported most favored nation status for China. And Trump did negotiate NAFTA, and Obama and Biden didn't. Well, I'll tell you what we did do. We inherited the greatest recession short of a depression. The president put me in charge of that to do something about it. In the process of that, I was the one who was given responsibility to make sure General Motors and Chrysler didn't go bankrupt. Bring in, and so we made sure they didn't. Brought 80,000 jobs. But you could see... Biden's getting really nervous, by the way. In fact, when he mentioned, when Tapper mentioned about blue collar guy, Biden pulled on his collar himself, right? That's a classic, like, oh gosh, it's getting hot under the collar here. And he just looks like a deer in the headlight. And Tapper's absolutely right. Trump negotiated this. Trump did. And Biden had eight years to renegotiate after. To re renegotiate NAFTA. But he voted in favor of NAFTA, then says he was not. Automobile industry, 80,000 good paying jobs came back. He's lost 50,000 of those jobs since he's been president. The fact of the matter is NAFTA was not the deal that was sold. When Bush said they were going to have enforcement mechanism of NAFTA, they didn't do it. That's why after it passed... And, and he did not insist on that. I was against NAFTA. We tried to begin to change it because it didn't keep the deal that was made. There was none of the enforcement mechanisms mechanism were abandoned. And so, but look, here's what else he's doing. We're talking about trade. What has he done with trade to give, to create more jobs in the United States? What's happened? And he starts, he starts stuttering. You know, they've often said that Biden is a stutterer, and I, I, you know, I haven't heard that until recently, by the way. But this happens when he when things get heated. This happens when he has a hard time answering questions. He was for NAFTA before he was against NAFTA. Is basically what he's saying. Then he blames it all on Bush. Then he became vice president for eight years and did nothing. Obama said they'll renegotiate it. He said they'll renegotiate it. Eight years, they couldn't get it done. So basically what the default is, he's not a very good negotiator. But that's what the left would be saying about Trump, right? Fight fire with fire. So more reasons why you should not vote for this man. One is his hypocrisy, flat out lies and grandstanding for 9-11 and his, his basically refusal to take out Osama bin Laden when they had the chance. And luckily, Obama didn't listen to him. And Obama's, Osama bin Laden is the bottom of the sea right now. And his complete flip-flops and his cognitive abilities declining. There are so many reasons not to vote for this man. There were a ton of reasons not to vote for him in 2016 if he ran. But like I said, I still think he would have won. Another article from Red State uh, by Nick Ar Arama, 
uh, dated September 10th, 2020. Enough of them lies about virus. We would have been far worse off if Biden had been in charge. Biden often touts his article that he wrote, his op-ed that he wrote in USA Today on January 27th about how he warned Trump that he told him what to do and he didn't do any of it, which is complete nonsense. It was it was a, an article that was another one of those lead from behind. I'm the guy. It's Everything's happening. Let me run in front of what's already going on and people are doing and say, follow me. It's a horrible leader. Even Dr. Fauci uh, said that Trump never distorted the facts and there were no discrepancies between what they were telling him in private and what Trump was telling to the American people in public. Because now they're trying to use Bob Woodward's book as a way to slam Trump. But here's what, you know, here's what was going on in the early stages of the pandemic scamdemic. On Jan January 27, Biden's coronavirus advisor, Ron Klain, took the side of China praising China's transparency. And on January 28, he said banning Chinese travelers was premature. Biden himself called the Trump response after he cut travel with China hysterical xenophobia. What were Biden and Trump's what were Biden and the Democrats saying in February? Saying there was an epidemic and acting as though cutting travel with China and having concerns about the virus was racist. And this is a tweet from Ronald Klain. We don't have a COVID-19 epidemic in the U.S., but we are starting to see a fear epidemic. Kudos to at New York City Mayor and others for standing against that. And he uh, 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 tweets out Mayor Bill de Blasio's tweet about go to Chinatown and have dinner. You know, and you also famously know Nancy Pelosi did the same thing, went to Chinatown right after this, because some reason, for some reason, these these political numbnuts thought because it was a virus coming from China that was somehow racist and we got to rush to Chinatown and show it's not as if that's what people were thinking. No, people were thinking, wait a minute, if there's a virus and it's coming out of China, we we need to protect ourselves. I, nobody was thinking I'm not going to eat Chinese food. That's just. But that's where the Democrats default all the time. But this this is who Biden was listening to. This was his expert, Ronald Klein. Remember, listen to the experts. We don't have a COVID-19 epidemic in the U.S. We were starting to see a fear epidemic. That tweet was published February 13, 2020. And you've got this book now saying that Trump wanted to not panic people and You've got the Democrats at the time saying Trump is panicking people. Is this who we want to put in the White House? And then even in March, he was holding rallies, getting in front of people. Ugh. The hypocrisy of the left knows no bounds, none. Now, this, and, then, and then how they protect this guy is just amazing. Uh, here's an article again, September 10, 2020. Uh, this is from the Baltimore Sun. Joe Biden has a history of gaffes, but what do they mean? And this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. Listen to this. Throughout his, this is from the article. Throughout his career, Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden has suffered from a series of self-inflicted flubs. Unlike President Donald Trump, Mr. Biden has been held accountable by the media and the public for his gaffes. That's right. That's right. I, I had to read that several times before it sung, before I like, were they really saying this? Unlike President Donald Trump, Mr. Biden has been held accountable by the media and the public for his gaffes. Unbelievable that it would write that. 
I just that boggled my mind. But oh, there's more in this. So far, none of President Trump's slips of the tongue had derailed him. You know what? This is interesting. It, it's what has not derailed him, or the reason he's not derailed is because the people know they see through the media BS. Just absolutely amazing. Uh, uh, far from being the Teflon president like Ronald Reagan, on whom mistakes did not seem to stick, again, slam the Republicans, Mr. Biden faces a media that continually looks for gaffes and attempts to establish a pattern. At the same time, his political opponents use his verbal mishaps against him. Well, yeah, that's how it works in the game, as does uh, that's what Biden does against Trump. From the article still, President Trump has already questioned Mr. Biden's fitness for the job uh, by implying that his gaffes demonstrate his intellectual incapacity to lead the country. The question is, will the mistakes influence voters? And I say yes. So you've got this guy. He's a gaffe machine. I mean, throughout the primary, gaffe machine. I mean, you got throughout the primary, you got he wrongly referred to Senator Sanders as president. This is during um, uh, debates. He he makes a, deba a dated reference to record players during a rambling answer in education. He appeared to struggle to contain his teeth in one. Do you remember that one? Nobody should be in jail for a nonviolent crime, he states. You know, he gets oddly specific about taking guns out of basements. You know, Biden in one, he lost his time saying, I'm the vice president while falsely claiming the Obama administration never placed immigrant in cages. It's he pivots to Venezuela when asking about reparations. I mean, this is the guy the Democrats want to put up. This is the guy. I, you know, Democrats, you got problems. You got problems. So here's an article from BPR, Business and Politics, and this is September 8th from Frida Powers. The Biden campaign is a farce. Long pauses and problems reading from the teleprompter fuel doubts. We just recently saw a, a clip of him where he's doing a video town hall with some union workers and they ask a series of questions. And here's the thing is they didn't ask him a question. It's like they showed like four union people and they all ask a question and then it, he answers the question. And you saw the one where he goes, uh, can we move it up, move it up here? He tells his staff, meaning the teleprompter and he sounds tired. And then there's all these others where he's just nonsensical and rambling. This is the guy. This is the guy that you want to put in the White House? I'm sorry. There are several reasons why Joe Biden should never, ever step foot in the White House as president of the United States of America. His past history and foreign policy failures. He's gotten just about every foreign policy initiative wrong. His absolute pandering and lies about 9-11. And I bring this all up because on this somber day, we're talking about electing a candidate that would actually say, hey, I warned him about 9-11 the day before when it did not. This is a candidate who told the president of the United States, Barack Obama, when he had a chance to take out Osama bin Laden, don't go. And for political reasons. And this is a candidate right now whose cognitive abilities are so much in question that he cannot walk away from this. And this is a candidate who gets who flip flops, who flubs. You should watch that interview with Jake Tapper. Tapper's face just spoke volumes. And then here 
is one more reason to not put this man in the White House. This is from um, the U.S. Sun, British paper. Obviously, their U.S. part. Here's the headline. Stated August 14th, 2020, from Daniel Sinone. Ready to help. Hillary Clinton says she's ready to serve in a Biden administration and help fix America. So you've got the two worst, absolute worst candidates in the history of candidates. And you want to put these two in the White House? She's saying ready to serve and help him in the White House. Unbelievable. And I do got one more thing. I'm going to play one more clip and then I'm going to wrap it up and we're going to get into some other news in this next segment. Is um, This has been out there a bit, but this is, you know, again, Biden and his lies. Lie after lie after lie after lie. Is this the man you want to put in the White House? Stem from the tape remarks of Biden during an April campaign appearance in New Hampshire. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. And it goes on with some commentary that Biden has made so many gaffes and uttered so many misstatements over the last year. He's a liar, folks. He's a panderer and he's a liar. And yeah, I know all politicians lie. Trump's lied. We know that. I'm not going to doubt that. But President Trump has protected this nation for the last three years he's been in office, going on four. And President Trump has made deals that have bettered the nation. We can't let this man get in the White House.